Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And we're going to do our Patreon shout outs before introducing our guests, like always. Let's do it. So if you guys like our podcast and want to support, you can make a donation on our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. We offer, there's different subscription tiers and we offer different exclusive benefits that correspond to that subscription tier. Um, but at the very least, any donation amount gets you a shout out on this podcast. It's, it's, uh, val- invaluable. <laughs> What's that word? What is, was something priceless. priceless. <laughs> I was like, it's worthless. No, that's not the word. I, I know. Meant- you stuttered for a second. You're like, don't say worthless. Don't say worthless. <laughs> don't say worthless. That's not what I meant to say. I meant it's priceless. Priceless, uh, aka Young Me and I use our psychic abilities to guess who you are as a person based on your name alone. Yeah. Are you ready for the first shout out, Young Me? I'm so ready. I think we have a good batch this episode. <laughs> good names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good people, that's to be determined. First shout out goes to Margot Yoon. Wow, Margot Yoon. Margot is such a hot name. Hot name. Margot Yoon is, she's an alt Asian. Yeah, for sure. If you're a Margot. Septum piercing. If you are a parent and you name your child Margot, you have to fully accept that your kid is going to become an alt kid. She grew up in Berkeley. (laughs) She skateboards. Septum piercing. Uh Uh-huh. Um, Torn fishnet stockings. Dr. Martin's beat to shit. Dr. Martin's. Wait, who says it like that? Who says it like Dr. Martin? You said it like it's a real doctor. I am trying to pay respects to Dr. Martin's for providing the most comfortable orthopedic shoes since the early 20th century. She wears Dr. Martin's. <laughs> a nerd. Uh, such a nerd. Margot Yoon went to Pratt. I'm going to guess she works as a gallery assistant at a blue chip gallery. You know, whenever you mention college names, because I never, I don't know anything about college. I never went. I'm always like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I have no idea. <laughs> You're like, yeah, for sure. Pratt. Yep. Sounds like an art school. Yeah. That's a good school. Yeah. So that's, that's my guess for Margot. I, I think we're pretty spot on. We're spot on. Yeah. Who's next? Margot. Thank you for your donation. Margo. Our next shout out goes to Natalie Park. Wow, Natalie Park and Margot Yoon are total BFFs. I feel like they hang out. Really? I'm not getting that vibe at really? all. Really? Margot is like, they're smoking cigarettes in the behind the high school and they're skateboarding. Mm. And Margot has like black long hair with a bow tie on top of it. And where's Dr. Martins? Dr. Martins. <laughs> and then Natalie is the, like the bleached bangs, you know? Uh, and they're both like, this sucks, man. School sucks. <laughs> Natalie's you know I mean? wearing... Which one smokes clothes and which one smokes like Chesterfields? <laughs> Natalie smokes cloves. No, they're smoking straight up. Natalie's <laughs> like got the bleached hair, smoking cloves, <laughs> suspenders with like tartan print, tight pants. No, I think that the youth are now just smoking meth. I think it wrapped around meth is cool now. What we just Hitting described is the nerdiest, lamest person in their high school. <laughs> um, no, honestly, Natalie Park, I'm going to get, I'm getting heavy golf vibes from her. Oh, okay. She's You're claiming kid. her because it's a park. It's, it's one of your I'm, she's family one of, members. She's kin and I'm, I'm getting big Korean golfer energy from her. Big G B G K E. Big golf Korean energy. BKG. Okay. 
What if I still kind of want Margot and Natalie to be friends? BKG. What if they're they're best friends? Can we when make they're t-shirts like of that? Yeah, just BKG and people's <laughs> what's Korean that stand golf for? Energy. Korean golf energy. <laughs> <laughs> I still see them as best friends. Like they became best friends when they were like eight, and then they went to high school. Margot went uh, alt. Natalie went golf. No, no, they're, still, they're still best still friends. Best friends. <laughs> However. It's because Natalie's dad forced her to play lots of golf. Right. And she's just very good at it. But her true passion Big. is whatever uh, Margot's doing. Margot's doing? Yeah. Smoking meth. Smoking right. meth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I Thank like you. the story. <laughs> Thank you for your donation, Natalie Park. And our last shout out goes to Marcella Roundtree. Wow. Really hot names here. Marcella Roundtree. Sounds so important. Marcella Roundtree. Sounds like a psychiatrist. Marcella right. Roundtree works at the UN. Yeah. Either that, maybe psychiatry is her hobby. That's what she does for fun. <laughs> her side hustle <laughs> is psychiatry. <laughs> That's what she does to relax. Oh my Helps God. People. She takes on people's, she listens to people trauma for relaxation. Marcella sounds like the mom of one of the other two people that we just described. Marcella Roundtree. Yeah. She's like the psychiatrist mom. She's like, Natalie. <laughs> don't hang out with Margot. She smokes meth. And her husband is David Park, who yeah. is a managing partner at Goldman Sachs. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think we figured, wow, this is a, this is we, a bundle donation yeah. from these three. Yeah. I like this group. I like this group. There's flavor. See, I was right. Yeah. You're this right. Is a, this is a good, good call, Brian. Woo. Thank you for your donations. Thank everyone. you so much. Uh, once again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And young me, I think it's time to introduce our guest. I'm so excited. We have for the first time ever in feeling Asian history, a repeat guest back uh, by popular demand, back by popular demand. Everyone loved her um, first episode. And we decided we did, as a result, yeah. she is, she's now promoted to a resident person who knows everything correspondent for, for us, our podcast. Because we don't know anything. <laughs> and then we talk a lot about like, we act like we know. But then we justify it because we actually, the because Hesu Joe, the therapist said oh, that um, even though we're not experts, the best advice is the advice from real people. Just authentic advice just authentic misinformed hot takes <laughs> we sound like fox news it's not true but i feel like it is so uh, we're emphatic therefore it must be true <laughs> i'm i'm raising my voice so you know i'm right well, it's that uh, kanye west and jay-z song they're like what does that even mean i don't know it just gets the people going yes <laughs> Well, um, speaking of gets the people going, everyone loved this guest, like I said before. Yes. And uh, we introduced her as a resident person who knows everything correspondent, but she is also a professor of East Asian studies at Emory University. Ooh. Guys, give your ears to Jenny Wang Medina. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Hi. Woo. Welcome. Yay. We're so excited to have you. Um, I wanted to say, like, I, I this is the third time I'm saying it. Everyone loved your episode. I also um, really liked it because I felt like not only do you have so much knowledge, you know, about Asian stuff, but I feel like you have the passion, you know, behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that is such a good combo. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't take praise well. Stop. 
I know. I'm sorry. I, I made it so awkward. We're all Asians praising each other. We're all so uncomfortable. Um, thank you again for doing the podcast, Jenny. Before we ask you how you feel, young me, how are you feeling? Uh, how am I feeling? I am feeling kind of, I'm feeling good. Let's go. Yeah. I feel like, you know, for a second, when you asked me that, I was trying to think of something bad, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I don't know why. What? And now I'm thinking back. I feel like every time you asked me that on the show. You've actually felt good, but I, instead yeah, you've been I, like, mine, to- <laughs> I've been mining for something bad. Oh, wow. Which is, why do I do that? I'm going to put my uh, therapist hat on here. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Cause like, you know, I, I guess, you know, in a week I have a lot of emotions, obviously. Sometimes I feel good. There's like good things that happen. There's bad things that happen. Right. Right. But then every episode I like sort of try to focus on the bad stuff. So I'm just going to say, I feel good. You know, you know what? That's valid, baby. Yeah. I'm feeling good. You know, I, today I have a productive day cause I'm doing this and then I'm going into work. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been going into work as much cause I'm like, you know, watching Mino and like, mm-hmm busy with that and it feels really good to have like a day where I have all the stuff to do structure yeah yeah it feels nice and I feel like you know obviously if we're all listening to this during the pandemic and quarantine and it it just does feel nice to have something to do I'm all about it baby yeah <laughs> um, I mean, you know like that whole thing where we talked about it even last week right uh-huh. with het and then um like we are all like brainwashed to feel like we have to always be productive yeah, always be optimizing. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I understand that that's not healthy, but also the other side of that but is- But also when you're optimizing, it do feel good though. It do feel good <laughs> when you wake up at like 6.30 and you have like five things on your list and you do like four of those before like 11 a.m. That feels oh, good. chef's kiss. That's the absolute best. Yeah. That's, I think we're on the same wavelength here. Yeah, I feel good. That's all I'm going to say. How about you, Ryan? How are you feeling? I think there's many firsts on this episode, young me. <gasps> this is the first time we've had a return guest. Yep. This is, I also feel good. This could be the wow. first time that where we, we both, both feel good, feel good <laughs> when we're recording. Wow. wow. Oh my God. Wow. Um, my reasons for feeling good are very similar to the ones you just described. Optimizing uh, your time? Optimizing my time. I'm doing that thing that everyone does in the new year where they're all like very fitness gung ho. Oh, you are? In December, it was a very depressive month for me where I just felt very tired all the time. Yeah. If I could, I had the capacity to just lay in bed and sleep all day. Mm. If I, if I had zero obligations. Yeah. I could do that. Did you do that? I did not do that. Oh, good. Because it makes me feel worse. But the fact that that. Capability is there Mm -hmm. is how I know I'm going through a depressive state. Right. This past uh, week, I've been having really productive mornings like you described. Nice. Like waking up at 630 in the morning, running three and a half miles before 9 a.m. I'm the worst, but it also makes me feel the best. Wow. You went from zero to three and a half miles (laughs) and like, that's a lot. I know. I promised myself. Okay, I went for a run in the beginning of quarantine and I promised myself this felt really good and I I suggest everyone do this. I promised myself no matter what happens for the rest of my life, I will never go on another run again. Yes. (laughs) Because you know what? 
there's no, it's like some weird masochistic thing with me where I think that that's what I need to do to get fit. And it makes me so miserable and I don't enjoy it. And I'm like, I could, I'll do any other exercise in the world. Right. But for the rest of my life, I promise myself I'm being good to my body. I will <laughs> never go on another run again. It sucks. I hate it. There's nothing about it. I like um, but I'm glad that you like it. No, I'm with you. I don't like it. Oh, you don't? I, I do it for my mental health. Yeah. Because I'm that my baseline is very, my brain is, uh, I'm very neurotic. Like I think a lot. I'm yeah. always thinking ahead into the future and mm -hmm. it's just, it, it clouds my clarity in the present. And I've found that by exerting myself physically, whether yeah. it's like lifting weights or mm -hmm. running like mm -hmm. a crazy person. Mm -hmm. the, I, I'm just so much clearer afterwards. Right. I think because I'm doing this thing that I, I'm putting, pushing myself and putting myself through pain. Yeah. Maybe it's, like it's the endorphins yeah. afterwards, but it forces me into this state of presence after it's done. Well, here's the thing. I, I understand that about exercise and I yeah. do like, like, strenuous exercise for sure. I'm totally fine with it, but just not running. Yes. Like Running's I will lift worst. weights. I will do whatever. I'll do a kickboxing class, right. any other exercise in the world, cardio, whatever I'll do like Barry's boot camp. There's a little bit of running in there, but not that much, <laughs> but I will never go for a run outside. I fucking hate it. I'll never do it again. I'm so with I you, promise myself. Yes. I cannot stand running. Jen <laughs> I would rather right? die than do anything else <laughs> <laughs> than do that. Although it does feel good afterward though. It does. And then the new year I bought one of, I bought those like really tight compression tights to run oh, in the winter. I feel pretty badass. Not going to lie. I want to see Brian going for a run in those. <laughs> just this. Does it feel nice? Like your body feels good when you wear it? It just makes me feel legit. I want to see these later. <laughs> Do you have a modesty shield? <laughs> oh, oh I, wear, I wear running shorts over them. Yeah. Oh, you my do? My husband does yeah. too because he's, he's, he's an avid runner um, now. And yeah. he, he doesn't like it when everyone's I'm, just out there. <laughs> Right. I've seen, I'm see. i cosplaying there. as an avid runner, but <laughs> it's also making me feel more legit. That's exciting. That could be OnlyFans con. That could be a Patreon benefit. You will get a photo of me in my tight compression oh my God. running. Thousands of Patreon <laughs> donations just going to flood in. We're going to like, as soon as we release this, let's wait until <laughs> that, that minute. <laughs> We're going to be millionaires. Oh, but <laughs> Jenny, how are you feeling? Um, I am feeling I'm with you, young me. I will do any kind of exercise. And we actually went yes. to a boxing class once together and I love boxing. Whoa. Oh my God. Do you remember that? Whoa. We did. That was super yeah. fun. Um, I love boxing too. Yeah, I have a lot of rage. I have to get out. So <laughs> boxing is great. Oh my God. Um, boxing is so good. And running is the worst. But um, how am I feeling? I am not feeling great, but listening to you guys makes me feel a little better. And um, I was wondering if it was like a new year thing because I hate making, mm. I don't like making resolutions. Um, and I thought maybe this year I will because I really need to not drink so much. Um, but my <laughs> daughter says to me, Gia says like, I hate the idea of new year's resolutions. Cause why can't you just change yourself whenever you feel like you need to change yourself? And I was like, I, wow. wow. Yes. Deep thoughts wow. from my your, 11 year old. Your daughter is very based. based. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I've always said. Yeah. I'm like, I hate it. I hate you, like, you, you said that to me when I was writing new year's resolutions. You were like, I don't do this. Cause you could just do it anytime. Yeah. Why you gotta. Like, yeah. But yeah. like for your 11 year old daughter to say that. I felt like I was winning at our future. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Also, like, it's kind of like the Valentine's Day thing, too. It's like, I'm going to tell you today, I love you. Yes. And then that's it. It's also <laughs> like, why I hate... Somebody has to tell you. Any holiday where you're supposed to dress up or have fun pisses me off because I'm like, don't tell me when to have fun. Don't tell me when to look weird. I'll look weird every day if I want to. <laughs> I'm going to wear my SpongeBob Halloween costume today. Yes. But despite all of that, <laughs> you said you wrote New Year's resolutions this year. Oh, no, I don't have New Year's resolutions. I think it makes me oh, want to no. be worse. The new year makes me think like, oh, oh everyone's having a dry oh, January. I'll have an extra sodden January. Oh, I okay. like that. Um, so, so in reaction to us, yes. you're like, I'm going to have an extra not running in the morning January. Yeah. I, I don't know what that says about my relationship with my parents and authority, but um, something, <laughs> something, something. <laughs> that is really interesting. I totally with you on that because debauchery like, January just like I have <laughs> yeah. problems with authority yeah yeah uh, I lived away from my parents for such a long time that I think that's the reason why I've developed this um, I don't know I just get really prickly whenever there's any even if they're right just out of impulse I'll be like well I'm going to do the opposite of what you told me because fuck you who are you to tell me what to do <laughs> yeah. even though even though what you're saying is absolutely correct yeah. And that gets me in a lot of trouble with my Asian parents, naturally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the idea of opposite January. Maybe opposite. I'm going to start doing that. Just live the most hedonistic January yeah. ever. Cocktail. Because, you know, this is the thing for me. January is the most depressing month, you know? It's the dead of winter. All the holidays are over. Why not just get fucking blackout drunk every day? <laughs> 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 yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I wanted to, I'm going to introduce, okay, so the reason that we had, we asked Jenny to come back onto the podcast is because, um, for a long time now, we've been receiving a lot of DMs from people about a very specific topic that they wanted us to discuss, which yes. is intra-Asian, inter-Asian inter racism. So, you know, like obviously like the racism between East Asians, like Chinese, Japanese, Koreans. And then I think you had a message you wanted to read, like an example of a DM that we received. For our listeners, I think we've all witnessed it. Maybe if it's from our parents or different types of relationships in our lives. Yeah. We, it exists yeah. even amongst the, within the Asian diaspora, there is racism that exists. Obviously. Uh, there's power imbalances. Yeah. Um, what Youngby just described. There's like beef between Koreans and Japanese people. Beef. There's beef with, I, I'm just speaking from my, from anecdotally and just yeah. from what I've observed and a lot of it could just be from my parents and my family and extended family. There's beef amongst East Asians with China. Mm -hmm. There's beef with East Asians and Southeast Asians. Right. You know, East Asians are racist AF and are very condescending towards Southeast Asians. Right. Um, but the, like, just to encapsulate all this, we get a lot of DMs from people asking us to talk about inter-Asian racism. And one of the DMs was, I'd love to hear more about this. For example, did your Korean parents ever have issues with Japanese people? Would love to hear an Indian slash Pakistani person unpack the issues between Indians and Pakistanis or a Vietnamese person breaking down North-South issues there. Mm. And there's a know. lot of it. Yeah. It's pervasive. Young me and I, we don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, okay, we have... 
obviously I know my personal family history right, right, right. and I can talk about that, but we wanted to have Jenny on here because she knows like the historical context. But even when you were reading that DM, like I don't know anything about North, South Vietnamese, whatever issues mm-hmm. or Pakistani and Indian issues. Like those are, you know, I this know is they like exist, a, but I don't I mean, know yeah, yeah. like the why? nuances of it. Yeah. Right. I can like I always it. feel that way whenever I speak to my Middle East friends, like right, my, like right. A, my, a friend who's like grew up in Lebanon, for example. Mm-hmm. And when they explain to me like the tension that exists in the Middle East, I'm always like, holy shit. Like I understand that exists, but this is very complicated. Yeah. And there's a lot of layers to this. And yeah. I feel the same can be applied to a lot of these power dynamics in the Asian diaspora. Yeah. So I guess like just to get started, Jenny, like... I guess we are all three Korean. Can you give us some sort of like historical context to what that looks like for Koreans, like racism that they have against other East Asians or yeah. like, um, this is such a big topic. I'm just like, let's get it started right now. Let's, <laughs> let's start with what we did wrong. Okay. Please How explain. we fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's start home. So let's start Jenny. What is racism? <laughs> So I'm actually I, I I'm gonna start in kind of a teacherly way because when you asked me to talk Let's about go. this, you said intra slash inter Asian racism. Yeah, I don't right? know what those words mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what is the difference between that? Intra, right, would be like between mm-hmm. the same group, like racism within the same or like Intra means like distinctions within a group, right? Inter is between groups. So when we're talking about yeah. Asians, right. like Sure. In Asian America, if we think about it that way, we can talk about intra-racism because we're perceived from the outside as a monolithic group, right? Um, uh, and right, you hear right, about right. this, you've heard about this so much this year with the elections, like talking about the Asian American voting block and then like refuting that and saying that it's not a monolithic voting block. They're really like this and that and the other. Um, on the other hand, inter-Asian, um, this would probably be more kind of like a geographic distinction or a regional distinction, right? Because inter Mm -hmm. assumes that they are, these are all discrete entities, Koreans, Japanese, Mm. Vietnamese, right? So it has, so we'll start there, right? When we're saying racism of Asians against Asians, like are we a group or are we not a group? Are we different entities or not? Right. Like when we're speaking of outside of America, like Asia at large, Mm -hmm. I feel like Asians perceive one another as different entities like through like, like Korean people. It's like our guests who grew up in Asia. Like when they see an Asian person, they're like, Oh, that's a Japanese person. I don't have, I I mean, how am I to assume that I have anything more in common with this random Japanese person than I do with someone in Ohio. Right. Right. But from the out. Yeah. So I think inter Asian is, would be more an app, a more accurate description in this case. Hmm. What are you thinking, me? No, I was going to listen to you because I'm like, because <laughs> I, I felt like you were going to say something. Because I felt like you were going to say something. Oh, um, I can always say yeah. something, but I'm curious too what you think, especially for well, you because you I grew think, up like in Asia and, you know. Well, yeah, listening to you describe it, it seems like it's kind of like both because in America, technically, if like what you're saying is that we're seen as a monolith. So then it would be intra-racism, even though that doesn't really make any sense because we're all not the same. We're all not just Asian, right? But then inter-racism, if you like go to Asia, Asia, that's kind of like what it is. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think for the purposes of this conversation, it would be inter because this is of interest, particular interest to our listeners. Yeah. Like we, I, I'm gonna assume that a large majority of our listeners identify as Asian, and uh, therefore, there's we're not a monolith, and we like depending geographically where we're from or where our relatives are from, we're all separate entities. Yeah. But then if you're like in school, then there's some Asian students club and you're just in there. <laughs> but, um, and so we find, right, right. you know, there is an intra. I, I think that both of these things work um, and work very powerfully within this kind of um, these dynamics. Right. Because um, right. there is something that we feel in common because we're treated externally in the same way. Right. Um, so, right. so it's not just like within this group and like the kind of, the kind of differences or maybe the fractures that come up, um, I think has to do with how we are treated by other people as well. Like, I don't want to be associated mm. with those people or like, I'm not like them because, uh, don't, don't let me in with them. Right. Um, right. at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of historical baggage, obviously, um, with Koreans and Japanese in particular, um, well, uh, because of the colonization, right, from 1900-ish, 1910 officially to 45. So there's a lot of legacies of colonialism. If you want to talk about South Asia, that becomes a little different because, like, the partition, like, India and Pakistan, and I am not an expert on this, but very broadly, once they were decolonizing South Asia, I think they decided, and please don't hold me to this, people who know more about this, um, there was a huge migration shift because people were forced to um, move into areas to according to religion and that right. that's what the de-imperialization was and so that's how you get pakistan and pakistan and india um i think broadly right. uh right in the case of korea japan taiwan china like all of east asia kind of has beef with japan because they tried to take over all of asia right <laughs> right that's right <laughs> wait so i'm curious so i'm curious uh you know Personally, like my family, I have older relatives who have beef with Japanese people for the reasons you just described. But do Japanese people have beef with the other countries too then? Because they just, it's imbued in them that these, I guess, territories or countries are inferior. Uh, or is it more like in a retaliatory, like, oh, you hate us now? Well, we're going to hate you back. That's complicated, um, but yeah, sort of. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I'm just okay, I feel like that's like it's it's like hard to speak for the entire uh, yeah, yeah, entirety yeah, yeah. of Japan. But I I'm will just, say, I'm just I will thinking say, out loud. I will say when I went to Japan because I've been there a lot to visit my Japanese friend, she would say stuff like, "Oh, you know, like if they're like, oh, that person's like Chinese character kanji last name is like a Korean last name," yeah. and then she'd be like, "Oh," and I'm like. Bitch, I'm right here. I'm Korean too. <laughs> she would be like, "Oh, that person. Oh, that person's last name is like a Korean last name." Ugh. And I'd be like, "Whoa!" And so there was, yeah. there's definitely but, discrimination against Korean residents in Japan, yeah. right? Like, if any, I'm sure a right. lot of people listening have read uh, Min Jin Lee's Pachinko, which like goes into that history. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. As well as uh, there is still this kind of post-colonial mentality where. Um, like Koreans and Taiwanese think that Japanese stuff, Japanese cultural stuff is like better than theirs, right? Like I, yeah. I was mentioning at the beginning, like, didn't we all grow up? If you had the expensive rice cooker or water heater, it was the elephant. It was Zojidushi, right? Um, <laughs> Zojidushi. Yeah, you had to have <laughs> kokiri, like you had to have the elephant rice cooker. But now, you know, Korea's right. getting up there. There's Lee Homan, there's Kuku, and um, 
We're a cuckoo family. <laughs> but for how long? Don't bring that Have elephant shit in my house. Yeah, seriously. I'm sure when you were a kid, you <laughs> no, had zojirushi. No, that is so. We yeah, had a zojirushi. Sure. I remember. I did too. Elephant on the rice cooker, and then suddenly it switched to a cuckoo. Yeah, it's a very robotic, <laughs> sexy Korean voice. Jamshiman kidalimen, babi jumidasubindya. What the? Who said that? You're it's like, always at I'm, 3 a.m. I'm so excited to eat this rice, and I'm horny now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made me some rice. Pak Brian Nim, Papi Chumita Sumida. What? Um, yeah, so I, you know, like we said, this is like a really big issue. You know, there's like all this historical stuff about and, and Asia, like how we're seeing Asia even is so like I feel like it's almost problematic because we're talking about like all these different regions and like yeah. it's there's so much to talk about. But I guess for us, the three of us, we're Korean, yeah. and so like there is we have a little bit more experience with the racism you know in asia but then also there's like a difference for asian americans right and like sorry where did you grow up again jenny sacramento california Sac. right so like what can you like can you like speak on like your experiences as an because there's like a lot of asian people there Mm -hmm. so right like what what were your experiences like growing up as an asian american with other asians there wasn't a huge korean american community when i was a kid um but like now it's it's a pretty popular destination I think, for new Asian immigrants. But um, I will. So when I was in elementary school um, and you have to do the like discovering your roots or like trace your immigration history or whatever. I don't know what they call it. Um, the, not the family tree, but they, they want to like find out where you're from. Um, my second yeah. grade teacher, like everyone was allowed to say I'm part this and my ancestors came from here and here and here. There was one other Korean guy in my class who I had known since birth, and then two Japanese Americans. Um, she made us get up all at the same time and just say, "We're Asian." <laughs> 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 and, it, like, and and thing. with that, with that move, she solved all of East Asian racism yes, yes. forever. And we were, we were like, one hands, harmonious hugging. group. There were tears. <laughs> like one of us was more oh, Korean, one South you. and one st- no, I'm just But then like within that grouping, there was a lot of difference even. Like I I didn't I ended up going to school with one of the Japanese American um kids like all the way through college and I didn't find out until like three years ago on Facebook that um his family had one of his like family members had been interned. They were he was like third or fourth generation and there was oh just God. this assumption that we were all new immigrants and we were. Right. right? Um, yeah. So, like, that guy was probably way more Californian than anybody else in that class. But Yeah, he's like a third, fourth generation Californian. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then your teacher's like, get up with the other Asians. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Go to the chapstick people. Yeah. And she's like, I don't identify with them, Mrs. Jenny. Yeah. Get up with them. They're people killed my people it doesn't right. matter, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the other hand there was also like um, yeah. a really big vietnamese population in sacramento and it's like uh, uh-huh. so that was kind of near where, like where my parents did business there's a really large vietnamese community um and yeah. that's kind of where i started seeing like koreans having some issues with how they saw vietnamese people right and there's this kind of east asia Ooh. southeast asia thing um right yeah. And historically, I mean, that has, uh, that's also very complicated, but, um, and I think a lot of people don't know this, but South Korea had the second largest 
um, military force in Vietnam during the Vietnam War after the U.S. They, they had like 300,000 soldiers there. Um, oh, wow. Wow. And this was an exchange for like U.S. development aid, right, in South Korea. Mm-hmm. But um, that meant there were a ton of South Korean soldiers in this place oh. going through a civil war that was very much like the one that they just came out of, right? Um, mm, right. Yeah. But by this point, South Korea was a little bit more developed. So there's this weird kind of like of sub-imperial, sub-colonial relationship going on there, too, because they saw themselves as right. kind of further ahead than Vietnam, maybe, like, if we can think about nations and cultures only in this term of capitalist development. Um, so... Right, right. There's kind of that thing going wow. on, too. Right. And do you, <laughs> and then because of that history, well, um, I mean, you know, because I always hear about, you know, people talk a lot of shit about Japan and Japanese like, imperialistic, like, how they treated the rest of Asia. But then I've also read a lot of the, I mean, this is kind of what you're talking about, but like they used a lot of like, a lot of the higher ranking, like military, not higher ranking, but like mid ranking military people were like Koreans who were very loyal to the Japanese, whatever. Right. And then those Koreans went and did very horrible like crimes against Chinese people and other like Russian people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, so that kind of reminds me of something like that, where it's like the Koreans that were like working for the whatever U S forces are helping the U S they become sort of like an arm of the oppressor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So Korea has been talked about in this way more recently, like talked about as a sub empire um, within Asia. Right. Mm. And especially now economically, they're really getting into Southeast Asia and stuff. Um, like there's Lotte Mart yeah. in Indonesia, right? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like? Have you heard a lot of like the racism that comes from, you know, like you were saying about the war, um, East Asians to Southeast Asians? Like in modern times? Um, you mean like the legacy of the war or do you, what do you mean? I've heard and I did get like a DM from listeners about tourists that are East Asian that go to Southeast Asia now because it's so popular mm-hmm. and how they're how they mistreat like the local populations. Yeah. Um, so that's a really big problem. And there's, you know, sex tourism is a really huge problem in Asia, um, not just mm-hmm within Asia, but like with lots of people going to Asia for sexiness, I guess. But um, I, I didn't yeah. need to go down that road. Hold on. <laughs> <Let me back laughs> <up. laughs> no, I mean, though, that's a I feel like that's a very legitimate like topic of discussion, because even one of my one of my random Korean uncles who's like old and he's not like he's like my of like twice removed person, like old and like widowed, like got sort of like a very young Vietnamese yeah. bride. It's like this 90 day fiance thing. That mm. kind of thing happens in East Asia a lot, I believe. So that's super common. That's right also now. one part of it. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. So there is this kind of this quasi human traffic. Well, let's say it, it is human trafficking that's happening with mi- migrant brides, migrant marriages. Um, mm-hmm. So um, let's see, how do we get into this? Um, I would say like the big issue here is class. It's economic. Right. Um, right. And this is another thing, like with the kind of what we call racism, it's really uh, oftentimes just associated with classism. Like who has more money? Who's more developed financially right. economically? Right. Um, yeah. Japan can look down on, say, the rest of Asia saying, like, look at how developed we are. And that's that was their line mm-hmm. when they went to 
try and imperialize the rest of the region, right? Like, hey, we've already done right. this, so like we'll take you with us. Let's not um, fall to just to, trust us. Yeah, right. Just trust us. Like, <laughs> we got this. We'll, yeah. we'll do this all together, right? Um, right. <laughs> that was the kind of like most idealistic way of talking about it. Um, <laughs> you can see that, like, within even in, within Asian American communities, like. Um, if there's some prejudice going on from your family to some other family, they're like, oh, don't, don't talk to them. They didn't like, their mom didn't come out of Ihua or something. Like they lied about their college mm. pedigree or like their, um, right, right. or like, don't, don't talk to, don't hang out with like X, Y, or Z group because they're not as um, East Asian, I guess, or they're not as Asian because they're not middle-class really is what they're saying. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Interesting. And when you do that on a national level, <laughs> you can see how that's working. Like right now, um, who, you know, young me, like when you go to Korea, who are all the domestic workers? It's like the the people from the region of China that's like near North Korea. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. Um, so because they speak, you know, they speak like a Korean dialect. So it's easy for them to find work there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have and I've like, noticed even in, even in Korea too, a lot of the... Um, a lot of nannies are from the Philippines. That's right. That's a way to get, right. um, if you can afford that, then your kids can learn English from a native speaker. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. But I also feel like that's the basis of a lot. I guess this is exactly what you just said, Jenny, but like, that's the basis of a lot of how Asians are being racist. Cause they're like, Oh, we're at on a higher class and we can afford like for your labor right. so we're going to look down on you yeah. and we think you're superior for that reason which obviously is extremely toxic and hurtful yeah but i i kind of want yeah but i i wanted to go back a little bit and touch on what you were saying about like how koreans were interacting with vietnamese americans because i feel like a lot of our listeners are also interested in how the groups of Asian people living in America interact with each other. I think it would be a little bit different because mm -hmm. this goes back to the inter-intra distinction mm -hmm. because within America, I feel like there's this unspoken understanding that even though we can acknowledge we're not a monolith, we know that white people view us as such. So there's almost mm -hmm. a kinship there that I don't know exists in Asia proper. Yeah, like how often do people mm. ask you if you know where the best like dim sum sushi pho, like whatever is, even First if they know all, you're Korean. I know where that and place is. You, young me, I know. You I know. <laughs> but I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, no ex no exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I feel like we just deal with so much white bullshit here in America <laughs> that it forces us to yeah, to bond to I be like, you know, you. like I know you're Vietnamese, I'm yeah. Korean. We get it. Like we understand each other. But, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that's, I don't, I just want to say this in case someone's listening to this and have, has a different experience. Sure. Because I feel like there are people here that are very like tribal though. Like they're mm. like, I'm Korean. We don't fucking talk to like whatever. You I know, will like, preface though that yeah. I grew up in a, in Texas in a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm. So I'm sure that my opinion and my views are going to be different from someone who grew up in an ethnic, an Asian enclave in America. Like in Flushing or something. With like a yeah. very strong uh, sense of like community specific yeah, to, to that geographic region. Yeah. yeah. Or like if you were from like Flushing, Queens and you were like a Chinese kid, you know, and you're like 
we don't talk to I don't I'm just making this up in my head <laughs> I'm like really imagining wanna, like uh, did, gangs it, of New York or I'm something but it's impre- all Asian I'm like, loving the impression we don't though. talk to Koreans we don't talk to <laughs> <laughs> they're all just gangs you know that's like what am I doing I don't know I'm, I made that up I, no but I, I feel like that's real that is, yeah, is yeah. right don't you think that's totally real totally um, I've had like, especially well in California, like Filipino friends or like Vietnamese friends who will say like, well, you guys don't really think that we're Asian <laughs> the way you guys are Asian. <laughs> like, yeah. right. I mean, I don't think that, but certainly I have heard that before. Like, oh, you're kind of Asian, like, which is a weird thing to say because, um, there is a geographic region, region and then there is like this kind of yeah. racialized identity that's been placed upon us. <laughs> so right. for sure. Um, I've definitely gotten that my my some of my friends have told me that they don't like Koreans because we're full of ourselves <gasps> and cocky and arrogant. How, how dare they say something so so controversial yet true? <laughs> no, I've, I've were they Japanese? Of people they must say, have been Japanese. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> They're like, you smell like garlic, and, you're, and you don't know how to stand in line. That's what Japanese people say. They, they say we smell like garlic, and we don't know how to stand in line. Right. First of all, true the gloves, and true. The gloves are off now. Second of all, you're right. <laughs> we'll give you that. We do be smelling but, like garlic, so but fuck way. you. Kimchi is good. I don't have time to stand in a line. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, no, yeah, those are just like, it's so weird. I wanted I to say I wanted to say that about the Asian American Asian groups because uh, remember like the Fung Bros? We met the Fung Bros and they were like, they were so adamant about, they're like, you're Korean, so you don't like these people, right? And we oh, were right, like, right, right. Well, you looked, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think they were talking about how they grew up and that was like kind of how they grew up too. Yeah. Which because is I think they grew up it's in like the Bay valid. Area. So mm. their view Forever. of Asian Americans is divided into sure. yeah. those like specific countries. You are yeah. a separate entity. You are Korean American. I'm Chinese American. We're not the same. I think the other thing that's interesting about this is that like the in, it, the immigration patterns have changed so much. So like there's not a huge, um, there isn't a lot of newly arrived Japanese immigrants in the U.S. Right. Whereas like Koreans mm-hmm. are constantly refreshing. Like when <laughs> with my students and things like um, their experiences as second generation Korean Americans are so similar to mine that I'm like, how is this still the same 40 years later or like 30 <laughs> years later? Yeah. Um, but it's because new people keep coming, right? The same with um, Chinese Americans or um, I guess a lot of other groups where there is this constant flow of people that will like kind of refresh old beef from the homeland or whatever, right? Refresh old beef from the homeland. Play the hits. (laughs) Reboot reboot the beef. (laughs) (laughs) Refresh the old beef from the homeland. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, Brian does that too. Brian's like, when life gives you lemons, hot dogs are are coming your way. And I'm like, what? This is a really great Is that a Korean thing? Yes, when you read Korean literature, they mix metaphors like crazy. And so when you get like an editor who's reading something, they're like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) It totally does in Korean. So young me, what I have to say, don't be jealous that I'm more Korean than you. Brian has this metaphor. He was like, Brian had this metaphor. He's like, when life gives you lemon, you squeeze the lemon oil out of the skin. I was like, what the? Where are we going with this? What are you talking about? 
about? It's imbued in my bones. <laughs> the mi- the Han and the mixing up of metaphors. Oh God. I don't need to take I don't need to take a twenty three and me test. This is a this is definitive proof that I am Korean. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that now. Yeah, but and don't that, feel embarrassed. Gosh, about that's it. <laughs> just say like, hey, oh, this, no. is cultural, I am... this is my cultural heritage. <laughs> Let me live my culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm like having a a breakthrough here because it it is like dependent on the perspectives. Because yeah, like I didn't grow up in a conclave like the Fung Bros, and so there mm. was a period in my life where if I was in a room full of non-Asian people, but there might be one other Asian person there. You're like, yeah, uh, yeah. I would kind of like saddle up to them be like, Hey, we're, we're like homies. Hey. Right. And they kind of look, they kind of look at me. Sometimes we're they'll like, look at me and be like, what? Like why? I don't know who you are. Like you're no different, yeah. but I think it's because I grew up in a yeah. like predominantly white community. So therefore if anyone's Asian, like from my frame of reference, then yeah. we must, because yeah. you know, we both stood up in that elementary class where the teacher introduces us as just Asian. I just like the image of Brian being in a room with like a lot of people and there's one random like Filipino person or something. He's just like, that I want to touch on also because like this is such a big topic but I just want to like touch on it because I know a lot of people this is very important to a lot of people there's like so much colorism in our culture mm-hmm. and I think that has a lot to do with how how Koreans sort of look at Southeast Asians or South Asians because there is like this like hierarchy based on the lightness of your skin yeah and I feel like obviously that also exists with white people in America and other groups of people in America colorism and um so like one of my closest friends she's Cambodian and she's like dark and she was like all my life my family was just like all up like talking shit about me because I'm dark and like her her immigrant story is that like her family came here, you know, just like our Korean families did. And I feel like their role in this society was very much based on the darkness of their skin and Mm. how they read to other people like white people or East Asians or whatever. Cause we talk about, we, she and I talk about this a lot cause her family, like her mom, became like a maid and you know like her family members that immigrated here did like that sort of work which also obviously koreans and east asians do when they first get here yeah but it's like it's almost like the the color of your skin really does have an effect on how the rest of america sees you outside of the asian community and inside the asian community well am i wrong (laughs) no no no. i think that's totally true like um, whenever you see things about uh like Asian beauty products and like the whiteness stuff, you know how people now that right. K beauty is so big or like even when it was just Shiseido and there was like white lucent and people would like, you right. know, rag on that person. <laughs> why are they, why do they want to be white? It's not about being white. Like for in no. within Asia, it's about not working outside in the sun. It's about not being a farmer. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, not a, it's not about looking like a white person, right. which I think a lot of oh. white, white people don't understand they that. Totally and they keep saying like, uh-huh, you want to be like me? No, I, I, I understood no. it like that. Cause mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, Jenny, as Korean people, like we understand that Korea, like, their beauty uh, standard there is be pure, be white. You don't want to be tan. You don't want any sunspots. Yeah. 
was this an attitude that existed in like 19th century Korea too, prior to like America's involvement? Okay. I think it existed in 2000 BC Korean culture. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's let's be real here. You have been out it, in it the existed, sun. <laughs> it existed 5,000 years before the the beginning of America. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, uh, the interesting thing though. I think um, for that kind of colorism was like, you know, um, oh God. So you know, I was born in the 70s. I grew up in the 80s. Like, if we went back to Korea, like we were very tan because, like, especially being from California, like we were outside all the time and. Even in the yeah. 80s, like the aesthetic, if you were wealthy, you were tan because it meant that you had leisure time to be outside, right? But we would go yeah. to Korea yeah. and people would be like, why are you guys so dark? You look like you're from, you look like you're from Southeast Asia. You look poor. <laughs> yeah. like, and you could really see like... You, you could, look poor. Yeah, you could instantly spot oh um, like a Korean American because... They look. They were tan, tan. but yes. owning it. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. Like, or thought yeah. they looked yep. good. Um, oh my god! I have is- horror stories where I would go to the Korean hot baths, and they have. Uh, there's like they they scrape the skin off of you. Yeah, it's called yeah, day. I know. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I know Brian. Well, I'm I know, but I'm I'm, <laughs> list, there's a lot of right, listeners right, who yeah, don't yeah. know this, so they'll scrape the skin <laughs> off of you, and it's like. It, looks like you know it collects and it's kind of dark and I remember I it went looks like eraser poo yeah, yeah it's like eraser poo <laughs> they scraping awesome. eraser poo off your skin and I just remember the man who was doing this for me was like you're from America aren't you and I'm like yes he's like god this just doesn't end. <laughs> There's just too much There's so much eraser, eraser poo, poo yeah. coming off of you. And too much we have to like scrub the color off of you. I've had I've been told I know, that before. Totally, totally <laughs> wet. Once I went once I went to get that done in Korea and the woman, I swear to God, was scrubbing my tattoo so hard. I think she was trying to remove my tattoo. <laughs> she was like, ah, 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 and I was like, Are you trying to scrub my tattoos off my heart? bitch and just kept doing over and over <laughs> and she's like oh, oh, oh. It was so bad oh, oh my um, god oh but now the MED is called um, exfoliating Korean scrub right yeah and then they they wrote about it like in glamour magazine or something and they're like you're gonna love it it's not relaxing at all it's more like a car wash <laughs> and I was like you know what that's offensive but you're right again you got me again <laughs> Um, I, I went to Korea and somebody asked me in a clothing store, they're like, Oh, are you from a hot country? Cause they like, I read as Asian, you know, Yeah. but they were trying to be like, Oh, are you Southeast Asian? I was like, first of all, I'm not that freaking dark man. And I could tell she was like trying to be a bitch. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I am. So what? Did you go back in later with like 10 shopping bags and say, big mistake. <laughs> big. <laughs> <laughs> you work on commission, right? <laughs> Huge. You wanted to touch on um, how Asians fit into racial categories in the U.S. Well, sometimes we're considered Caucasian, sometimes not, sometimes POC, sometimes not. Yeah. Um, so, like, you've seen this with the, like, Harvard debates, right, with the Asian Americans. Like, do we count for, um, do Asians count for, like, affirmative action? No, because that's not fair, and blah, blah, blah. And there's, like, and Asians will line up on both sides of this argument, right? Because um, yeah. um, if it's a racial thing, they'll say that it's discriminatory against Asians. But if it's a socioeconomic thing, then, like, who knows where, it, like, it all falls out in different ways, right? Um, 
again, we're not a monolith, but <laughs> what group is? There is no group that's a monolith. Um, but historically, there have been points where, um, particularly during the exclude the, um, the the very long period of um, exclusion of Asian immigration to the U.S. Um, so, like since mm-hmm. the late nineteenth century, um, there was the Chinese Exclusion Act, right? So it was meant for only Chinese, but you know, it catches a lot of Asians in that, in that very wide net, right? So, yeah. um, so there were peer, there were like some very famous uh, court cases that other other Asians, like non Chinese Asians, were arguing that they were not Asian or they were not Chinese, right? So, like uh, mm. South Asians have been categorized as Caucasian and not Caucasian, um, mm. right? Like the the. Filipinos have a totally different like immigration history with the U.S. because like they were a colony of the right. U.S. So like, mm. so do they count right, as Asian right. or they American? Like, wh- where do they fit into that? Um, and right, right. The I guess the short answer is that America has always tried to the laws have always tried to like lump people together in a way that excludes anyone who's not white. So <laughs> right, right. So like, oh, you think you're white now? No, 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 no. You're Asian again, or like. Um, Unless like we did something wrong or no, like, no, I wasn't saying something or unless we did something good. It's like, I won the lottery. That's a white person. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at, if you look at like census things or even when you like do jury duty or something and you have to check, check your racial boxes, like where do middle, where do people from the Middle East fit in there? Like they're supposed to be interesting. They're supposed to be Caucasian, like, um, and Caucasian is like a geographic designation. It's supposed to be like some side of the mountains or something like that. And so like, you know, um, I don't know, like it's, um, these categories are so, they're such bullshit. They're just like, whatever is expedient to exclude who we want to exclude right now. Right. Right. And I, totally. yeah, and I feel like these conversations, when you really start to like boil down the race lines or whatever that people want to create, people don't really like these conversations because then it gets like into the, then you're like, wait, wait a minute, this is all bullshit. Yeah. Wait, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like, like the kind of like just me being a biracial person and the lack of like rep- biracial representation in America. It's like, they don't want to think about that because then it, they have to like, think about shit that makes them realize that all of it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I <laughs> you're mean, like, wait, but you're Middle Eastern or white, I guess. Like, yeah. So like my kids are, um, they're obviously I'm Korean. <laughs> my husband is, his father was Mexican American. His mother was like Irish slash Dutch. Right. Um, right. but people at their school, they went to like a dual language, like Spanish, yes, Spanish dual language program. Uh-huh. And people would be like, why are you doing this? You're Chinese. And they would say, like, well, first, I'm not Chinese, but, like, um, and it, <laughs> it's weird how the, the kids themselves would, like, break this out depending on, like, which parent they saw. They would be like, oh, Gia's from Chinatown. Mm. Um, and they that's what specifically what they said to her. Not that she was Chinese. They were like, oh, you're from Chinatown. And she was like, oh, I live in Park Slope. And I was like, don't, don't so admit that funny. either. You're from Chinatown. <laughs> from Chinatown. It was, like, highly localized, right? And if you think about Sunset Park here I know this is getting like really granular about Brooklyn like Sunset Park it's like half Chinese and half Latinx right <laughs> that community yeah. like right. it's really split and there's a pretty big Mexican community down there so the kid who said this to her was of Mexican heritage but his interaction with other Asian people were was from that neighborhood right so he was like you're from Chinatown mm. like the other side of 
Sixth Avenue or whatever. Oh, um, right. That's interesting. Which is crazy how this kind of racism comes up in like these, like they're talking about two blocks apart and it's like the same community, but yeah. they've drawn these kind of racial lines. And so she wasn't yeah. allowed to be Mexican because um, he saw me or something. Um, right. That's so but, interesting. And also because she had mandu at school. So. <laughs> She was like, what are you eating? That's Chinese yeah. food. Mm. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So it's so complicated and it's all fucking bullshit, man. It's all bullshit, man. <laughs> I feel like we should I feel like the funny like there's so many funny things that like I've I feel like I've people have said to me about race, like in Asia and in America. I think last time you were on, I I told you this like I live in Chinatown and when Mino was a baby, I was holding him and the grocery store guy was like why is your baby Chinese, but you're Jewish? And I was like, okay. <laughs> like there's just so many weird things that are, oh, I don't know. Maybe I, I told it to That's somebody hilarious. else. And I was like, I, I don't even know how to begin telling you what's going on. Like, he's like, you're, you're Jewish, but your baby's Chinese. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to explain anything. <laughs> you're just so wrong. Like when I was a kid, my parents sent me to a Jewish community center and that wasn't even... Asian there. They were just like, you're not Jewish. I'm like, oh, how could you tell? <laughs> Wait, aren't there, are there Asian Jewish people? Uh, there are. I mean, they, well, if they convert, they convert usually the yeah. mom converts. Uh, yeah. But is there like a region where people, Asian people are just Jewish? Is that, is that no? I don't, I'm just asking. I mean, if, if there case, is, I mean, if you count in the DMs, cause we want to interview. Yeah. If, if, if you, you count, count the Middle Manhattan. East as, <laughs> as Asia. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Which some Manhattan. Kid, I, I have Manhattan. And some parts of Park Slope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, no, because, like, you know how, like, Western China, there's, like, a big Muslim, yeah, Muslim yeah. population? Like, that. Yes, it, it, yes. There's no place. Oh, yeah, I guess, like, the Middle East, if you technically call that Asia. Um, I'm just trying to claim Jewish people. Yeah. I like them. <laughs> I'm like, they're one of us, too. <laughs> Korean people like to claim Jewish people. They're like, we're also um, the chosen people who went through so much suffering. <laughs> like, eh. I don't know. <laughs> we, get, we get along for some reason. Wow. That's so true. I'm thinking back to my parents. Yeah. Like they always speak about Jewish people in a very positive light. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're so smart, like tremendous people. And I'm like, did they, did they teach, did they teach you this in Korea? Like, where did you form this opinion? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't think my mom's ever met a Jewish person in her life. <laughs> like, but what if, uh, what if, what if our next episode is, why do Asians love Jewish people? Hey, that <laughs> I is think like <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be me being offensive, but I think there are like similar. I don't know. There's the 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 emphasis on and education and the strong presence of motherhood in mm -hmm. the child's upbringing is. Uh, I think there's a similarity there. Yeah, I, I like I like how this delve into. <laughs> st we started off really so like solid and like very like PC, and now we're just like spewing stereotypes. We're like Jewish yep. people are the smartest. They study well. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? We have to leave this part of the episode. Uh, um, that wasn't me. That was my parents. We got too comfortable. But a lot of this, I think, really has to do with like immigration like it has to do with like yeah. immigrant yeah. striving right because look at mm. like even like that tiger mom book the the next book that she wrote was called the triple threat mm. and she Amy included, Chua. Yeah, yeah like china like chinese um 
what did she say? She said Jewish people, Chinese people, and Nigerians were the triple threat. Like they're the ones who are going to succeed because of however, because of this essential thing about their characters that make them like yes. be hard on their children, whatever. You know, but these are immigrants. Nigerians. Groups. Yeah, Nigerians. Yes, they're just yeah. immigrant groups. They're just no, immigrants. no, because when I when I've they're met other Nigerian Americans. Like yeah. I've bonded before in high school with Nigerian Americans. We're like, oh my god, yeah. my parents did the same thing yeah. too. Yeah. <gasps> Not allowed yeah, to get just, an A minus. We're just immigrants. Yes. <laughs> oh, even and then even in the last like last week's episode, I was talking about how I went on a date with some white guy, and he was like, he told me that his parents were immigrants from Ireland, and mm. I was like, oh, no wonder, no wonder you're ashamed of everything. <laughs> Oh, so what I said about overbearing mothers was offensive. And in fact, <laughs> it's just that we're immigrants. We're it's all, all just part of immigrant immigrants. children. The, wow. The word, yeah. Oh, Jenny Wang Medina wrapping Solved us back racism. around yeah. and solving it all. Putting- I mean, that's why I, Jenny, I'm thank okay you so with- much. I'm so glad that we solved racism. I'm proud yeah, of us. Guys. <laughs> Before we let you go. Can you tell us something that you're proud of? Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me again. Super fun talking to you always. Um, this kind of goes back to the episode you guys had with Mary H.K. Choi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. You guys were talking about like the motherhood thing, and I was really thinking, like, I was, um, it was very affecting to me. But especially now, I know Young Me, you're a mother, but Mino's really young. Um, now, my kids are at an age where they like, they're saying things to me, they're kind of, parroting my behaviors or like I'm seeing the mm. things that um that uh I felt towards my parents coming out in them and mm. it's very distressing to me because I do it unconsciously and then I realize um oh wow that was very like I was emotionally manipulated in this way and I'm doing it to them now and the thing mm-hmm. that so that sounds really sad but like the thing I'm proud of is that I can say I'm sorry to them when I have been wrong about that and they will accept mm. it. And so we can talk about that. And then they'll say like, thanks, <laughs> like sort of thing rather than, you know, <laughs> and I will continue to do shitty things to them and be a bad parent, but yeah, I don't You're have a human a being. Yeah. But I don't have a problem like going, I, I think that's like the kind of growth I've gone through with like thinking about my relationship with my parents. I'm willing to go back and say, I'm sorry to them. And I'm proud of it. Oh, that's so great. That's really you great. Know, I talk about that all the time because that's one of the things that makes me feel really ashamed as a parent, you know, because we all make mistakes and I do with my son. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, in the same place as you where I'm like, just the fact that we can identify it and apologize. That's like so much more than our parents did for us. So just with that step, you've already progressed way further than your parents. So. <laughs> So they can I'm hate me for totally different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom kept apologizing to me. <laughs> She's like, God, putting all of her emotional guilt onto me. My God. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how she they'll pathologize so that so much later. accountability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Jenny. Thank and you. And for our listeners out there, uh, where can they find your work, your social media, or if there's anything you want to promote? Um, search Jenny Wang Medina um, on Emery's and, and Emery that should turn something up and I have uh, I guess Instagram where I only troll other people <laughs> it's um, Jay <laughs> Wang Jay uh, Wang Gina <laughs> um. nice yeah thank you so much for joining I feel like you know that was a difficult topic I know that the listeners really wanted to discuss it but thank you so much for discussing it with us and making it funny thank you and apologies to anybody who was offended by anything I said I didn't mean it yeah I apologize too (laughs) 
<laughs> Me too. Please don't cancel us. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, we can apologize. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian where can our listeners find you on social media uh, you guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park and what about you young me YM Mayor um, and then young me mayor on TikTok and if you are looking for a sound engineer please consider hitting up Sarah Pack on Instagram at impact that is at I-M underscore P-A-K-T and, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And follow our Instagram at feeling Asian podcast for the crispiest memes and <laughs> yes. that hot video content. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.